0: Ben Shapiro here with a man I have tremendous respect for, my good friend, Attorney Barack Lurie. Barack, you've been practicing law for over 24 years. Do you have some important advice about lawsuits?
1: Well, Ben, the law deals with conflict, right? A good attorney should help ease a lot of your anxieties, because he should have perspective and know how to gather his evidence. But his main mission should always be to pursue the path toward quick resolution or settlement. Well, how do you do that? Simply by working to remove the emotion from both sides. Once you gather information and think rationally and compare strengths and weaknesses in a case, you can work on what's fair. The truly great lawyers know how to do that, and quickly. You
0: can see, folks, why I so admire Barack Lurie and all the work that he does. For all your business and real estate legal issues, call my friend Barack at 866-575-8111. 866-575-8111. 866 575 8111. Fighting for what's right. Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. Listen to The Barack Lurie Show, Sundays at 10 a.m. here on AM 870, The Answer.
1: Actually, I should say the Senate Has decided to do a little learning For uh, the Ayatollahs in Iran And kind of teach them a little something When it comes to the U.S. Constitution And they've sent a letter With some 47 senators signing off on it Saying, look, uh, Ayatollahs Here's how the Constitution works You need to get our approval At the end of the day no matter what you might work out with Obama for the time being, and no matter what he says in terms of you'll ramrod that he'll ramrod our approval somehow, he'll get it. For the nuclear deal. For the nuclear deal about. in Iran. That's right. I'm sorry. Uh, then uh, you need to understand we don't like it, and it's got to be really tight. And unless we approve it, my friends, in Iran, uh, you're not going to have a treaty, not the treaty that you think you're going to have. And uh, we have the right to impose sanctions, and we will if we have to. Okay, so don't think for a moment you're going to be able to get around us. And so 47 senators signed off on a letter exactly to that effect and sent it off. It was an open letter, which means that Obama, of course, saw it. And, and it was a, as much of a letter to Obama as it was to the ITOLs, wasn't it? I mean, the whole point was to say, look, Obama, you also don't have this authority, we want you to understand, because apparently you, dear President, don't seem to understand how our Constitution works. You think that you can get an executive order uh, issued and that somehow will become the same thing as a treaty. It won't, sir. You've got a problem, sir, okay? And, and why, why does it, how does it get to this point? Because this is truly a historical moment. I don't know that there's ever been a time that senators have gotten together like this and sent an open letter to a foreign country saying, you know, basically telling the, 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 the foreign leaders with whom the president is dealing, uh, that uh, not so fast. I don't I don't recall anything like that. So good, good for them, and uh, good for a lesson in constitutional history, and I hope that Obama heeds it. Of course he won't, but the, the point is he needs to be told over and over again, sir. That's not the way the Constitution works. I mean, in many ways, it reminds me of uh, in The Simpsons. As you know, I, I like to refer to The Simpsons quite a bit. Why? Because, first of all, there's so many gosh darn episodes. They, they probably have an episode for any particular subject you can imagine. But there was a very cute one where uh, Montgomery Burns, who's the boss of the nuclear facility, he's watching all of his employees. Uh, Who are at the kitchen, and there's a monitor. They don't know that they're being monitored and and watched. And so they're being watched from Burns' office with his sidekick, uh, Smithers. And there's a donut box. And Montgomery Burns says, with his evil tone and and kind of uh, tenting his fingers, saying, That's right, boys, go ahead, keep on eating those donuts, getting ever closer to the poison donut. And then, uh, and then he pauses and he thinks for a second. We did uh, poison that donut, didn't we, Smithers? And Smithers responds, uh, "Well, sir, I checked it out with our lawyers, and they consider it well, murder, sir." <laughs> and he goes, and then he gets, he just flows, flies off the handle. He's so furious about it. But that's exactly what we have to do with Obama, don't we? We have to have him understand that this is unconstitutional. Not murder, of course, but it's unconstitutional. And it's so simple, like, sir, haven't you thought about consulting some constitutional lawyers? Uh, other than your yes men, of course, because that's all you're dealing with, is yes men. And these yes men have led him down this path. And how many times, 19 out of 20 times, he's been shot down by the Supreme Court? And, and most of them unanimously? I mean, it's really, it's a phenomenal thing. And these are the smaller ticket items, not the Obamacare ones that you see on the news. But there's, there's a lot of heavy-handed stuff that he's doing by way of executive action, and he thinks that he's going to get away with it. And, and that's the position. And this is the big picture. You know, people who listen to us, they like the big picture. And I, I understand that. I like the big picture. So here it is. The big picture is the president doesn't seem to know the Constitution. The president has surrounded himself with yes-men, who tell him that whatever he wants to do, that there is a constitutional basis for it somehow. Even if there's not a constitutional basis for it somehow. And, and he really thinks that he can engage in a treaty because he wants to. That's, that's really phenomenal to me. The hubris on this man. Look, I'm not angry with Obama. I just think he's a limited man. He's limited in his knowledge of the Constitution He's limited in his understanding of the way America works, and he's certainly limited in understanding what the people want. That's a concern for me. And we now know, poll after poll, very recently, that most Americans do not trust the Iranians, and they don't believe that Obama will pull out a good treaty with the Iranians. That's important, Mr. President. You need to look at that, Mr. President. You would think that somebody who is so engaged in uh, a concern for what people think of him would take note that they don't like the way he's handling his approach to Tehran, right? First of all, that, that he pulled away all the sanctions from the discussion. Well, what was the thinking there? I mean, Ari, you let me know. I, I don't understand. What is it that made him decide, I'm going to take all the sanctions off the table? So, so what, I mean, the, the ostensible reason, the reason why he said he did that is because he said, well, they told us they wouldn't talk to us unless we, we took the sanctions away from, from the situation and, and allowed them to grow their economy. That's, that's what he told us. No, so that's, that's supremely naive, just unbelievably Naive.
0: Why do you think it's appropriate for you to bring your business lawyerly acumen into discussions about Obama's negotiation abilities?
1: <laughs> I appreciate the kind the kind words, but I, I'm just using logic here. But what? Well, how dare you use logic? Because but, 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 everyone knows
0: if you want to extract something from someone, you turn up the heat. You yeah, don't turn it down. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't have your Stanford degree. No. no I, I yeah,
1: you, you're being too solicitous. You're too <laughs> kind. I appreciate it, but 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 seriously, I I don't understand it. It, it's, it really has nothing to do with. Business. Business or law—it's simply. Oh my gosh! Okay, okay. Play play chess or play Monopoly. I'll use both as examples. Okay, this is the equivalent of somebody on the other side. You're winning the game. Okay, you've got all the good pieces, and they've they've lost their queen, they've lost their bishops, and they might have one knight and a couple of pawns, and the and the king, of course. And and then they say, well. I want you to take away your queen and, and your two bishops. And you say, why? Why should I? I'm going to win this game. Well, I, I, I don't want to play the game anymore. <laughs> I don't want to negotiate with me, you unless you do that. O- OK. The answer is so obvious from our
0: position of former strength. Is well, you won't have to play the game anymore once you've lost. That's right. The well,
1: game's about to be well, over. It's a, but it, it, well, wait, and, and then going to the yeah. monopoly thing, I mean, we. I think a lot of people have played Monopoly if they haven't played chess. So let me give it the analogy in the Monopoly game, which is game, another game I love. It's like, you know, sometimes you find yourself in a really nice position where you've, you've gotten all these Monopolies, right? You've gotten all the yellows, all the greens, and you're in the oranges and so on, and you've managed to put house after house after house, and uh, and the other side has, you know, really just is paying rent the entire time, and they're just struggling. And they say... Well, I'm not going to deal with this anymore. I want you to just take away all your houses and everything. In fact, give them to me. (laughs) Okay? That's what it's like. That's what it's like. So I bring it up because it's so absurd. Where is the advantage? Where in your history, Mr. Obama, as a child, as 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 an adolescent, have you ever found that you take away your advantage in the negotiating table? And this has nothing to do with law. I I, I mean, it it does apply in the law also, but it's just common sense. Yeah. Well, your argument and
0: your exasperation that you express for your argument only works in the model in which you assume Barack Obama cares about America's interests. I've got
1: another example. I'm, just, I'm getting too angry about this. I like it. Keep, keep going. Ari <laughs> likes it when I get angry. So He's cute when okay, he's angry. So, <laughs> you just said I had the face for radio, sir. <laughs> so I don't know I'm cute under any circumstances. <laughs> so, but, but here's another example. And uh, the example is, okay, I, I, I've got the Mexican standoff, okay? And I've got a gun pointed at you. And, and I say to you, you know, I want whatever, okay? You know, drop him now. Johnny Bob, whatever is, you know, the, the outlaw is, okay? And uh, and then he says, well, I don't feel like talking to you. Uh, well, you're going to have to drop drop it or I'm going to shoot. Well, I don't want you to do that. Okay. <laughs> Here's some bullets. I'll take all my bullets. How about that? Okay, good. Then we can talk. All right. <laughs> all the bullets are down. It's like a scene from a Jerry Zucker movie. Yes. And then I give it, yeah, with the, yeah. I know know the scene you're talking about in the naked gun, right? But but then I give him the, and I say, not only that, but I'm giving him the gun. Here you go. So, and now he's turning on us, and he's laughing at us. He's literally laughing at us. You you moron, you gave me your, your own gun. Now we've got the leverage, idiot. That's what fascinates me with this.
0: And, and first of all, I've never said you have a, a, a face for radio. I said your face is far too good looking oh, for radio, God. which is the opposite. Oh,
1: you're too kind. Yeah. Now, no, it, wait, 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 wait. I don't want our audience to think somehow that my good friend Ari David is somehow sucking up to me. He is not. We we have very tough talk together, and uh, he really he really sharpens my skills. I, I, I really appreciate it. Um, I I learn a lot from Ari. Ari. Provides me with all sorts of great news Articles from which I, I often You know cont- you know, begin our, our podcast and otherwise and helps me on my Sunday shows too uh, the breaking story For example of um, it being Clear that Obama um, They're
0: shooting uh, down Israeli yeah, jets well, it,
1: You know intimated or Insinuated that he might shoot down The Israeli jets if they should choose To make the stupid decision Of attacking Iran uh, Indirectly of course but nevertheless That was a very breaking thing so these are good things, but he, he really helps sharpen my my thinking on this. So anyway, it's kind of you to say all those things, but uh, yeah, let's but get let, let's get I to What yeah. I to make about it, uh, aside from my you know uh, uh, butt kissing,
0: is um, <laughs> that what you've just. Illustrated is my entire point about Obama. About everything he does is deliberate. This right. isn't accidental. It's clearly an anti-American agenda that he has, and he's pushing forward. Because you don't play. It's one thing to argue or or act around the margins in ways that are not good for our society, like same-sex marriage or uh, some social issue or something. But when you're playing high-stakes. Uh, pick your game chess poker whatever with nuclear weapons you're talking about the future of civilizations at stake I,
1: you're so right and of course of course you're 100% right and i would definitely say look you know obama you got to help me here man i'm trying to I'm trying to just paint you as a naive fool. Right, you <laughs> please. You've been doing I, I, the, your best with I, that. I really am trying. <laughs> I can only work with the material you give me, sir. Right. <laughs> That's, right. That's a losing That's hand. A, but I, this is not working out well. You you are consistently doing these crazy things. That there's. It's not a naive question. It's a, a question of like. I mean, I can understand why somebody that that says that that Obama is trying to hurt the country uh, would use this as an example because it doesn't make any sense. It, it, not from me. Not from the slightest angle. There's no way you could say that pulling away sanctions is somehow going to help our position, that it'll improve our negotiation. What the frig are you thinking? Well, in, in and that, in the same way that you would, you would scratch your head if someone just decided, I'm going to take away these these houses and hotels from my monopoly game, or uh, just take them to my opponent. Yeah. Or yeah. Exactly. Not only that. Or just take them away altogether it, To make it a perfect example, right? Pulling away the queen and pulling away the bishops In a chess game It, it, it completely alters the game And suddenly they get all emboldened And they say, now the game is different Now well, you'll
0: do what I yeah, say, or, sir Or I'll make moves even with my uh, piece advantage to you right. uh, That will never put you in check well, it, it, Or something, not, like something
1: like that But the whole point is If they have the ability to do a checkmate on us Oh boy, they will we second. know that. In a second. So this is a game of chess, and you need to understand that, Mr. Obama. But he – I mean, it's like all those movies where you see this – it's almost like a Saturday Night Live skit. This is the way it should work, right? Here's a Saturday Night Live skit. Um, you see this one guy, and he's been wrongfully – I put that in quotes – arrested for a murder. And they haul him in to the interrogation room. And for some reason, he's with his, his, uh, his father. And his father, of course, this being his son, he wants to believe his son. And the son is saying, I didn't do it, Pop. I didn't do nothing like that. They got me framed. Son, you're right. I know. I, I, you would never do such a thing. And, and they say, you know, sure, I had a gun in my hand, but, but that doesn't mean I did it. No, no. They they'd probably planted it in there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, and they have burns on my, you know, the, the smoke, the, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah, the cordite burns on my hand, uh, the powder on my hand, but uh, but that doesn't mean I shot it. And the the the, the father's like raising his eyebrow. Okay, maybe they forced you to to to, to pull the trigger. Yeah, yeah, that's it, Dad. <laughs> that's what I did. And and uh, and then, well, the, well what about those eyewitnesses, son? Um, well, they were the, the the pockets of the the police and and the DA. Yeah, 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 that's it. Okay, okay. And then. Uh, And then they found this letter from you saying, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) And it appears to be your handwriting. Oh, they forged that, too. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then you put it in a Facebook posting that you're going to kill them on such and such day, and that's exactly the day that you did it. And then they found an iPhone where it shows that you were there with your phone at the time of the murder. (laughs) Right. And then you can see the the father suddenly saying, son, did you kill John Smith, right? I mean, it's just... It, it all kind of places together after, after a while. There's a certain point where you simply say, I just can't accept what you're saying to me, sir, Mr. President. I can't. Something's wrong with this picture. These, these points or whatever you call it, uh, data points that we're working with, you're, you're making it very hard for us to give more and more excuses for you. We're beginning to know that you lie. You're not a liar, but you lie quite a bit, sir. We know that you're deceptive. We know that you play games. This whole relationship thing that you have with Israel is odd. It's odd. Every every picture that we see of you with the pres- with the Prime Minister Netanyahu in your Oval Office or otherwise, it's as if you're... As if you know you're taking a photo And that uh, And and this is your You know, you're married And you're concerned what your wife thinks Right? And you want to make sure That you're not looking at this other girl And then if If she does happen to see you looking at, at, at that girl You want to make sure that you're looking meanly at that girl So that there's no way that she could construe you As possibly being attracted to that girl That's the way it is In the way that Obama seems to be handling himself When it comes to Bibi Isn't it? It's exactly that And there's never a warm handshake There's never a hug You know Never a a joke that's cracked between them
0: The The eyes only reveal an icy stare Yeah Never a
1: warmth And it's as if he wants to make sure That he's got his butt covered When people will accuse him later on Of being in the Israeli camp And he'll say what are you talking about Look look how I I just hated being there I had to play the game you understand Because after all I am the president And there's this Jewish lobby that I have to deal with all the time And you know when you're an American president You've got to deal with those Jews That's, That's the way he Parlays it in his own mind Now whether or not he's actually having these conversations I don't know I think he is With the Muslim Brotherhood at least We know that but vis-a-vis the whole world, you know, I, th- I think he has this imagination that goes wild in, it, in, his, in his mind, knowing that the whole world is watching. And he'd much rather hug and embrace the Saudi prince than ever shake hands with Bibi Netanyahu. Yeah.
0: No, I, think, I think it even goes farther than that. You know, my, my thoughts and feelings on the matter, I think that this is a man who's absolutely convinced that the world would be a better place with no Israel and no America existing. Yeah. He, he is that twisted. He actually believes that people who do not live in America and Israel would be better off without America and Israel existing, which is a horrifying prospect for them, because without America and Israel existing, people yearning freedom around the world have nowhere to run. Well,
1: and now I'll throw this back at you, like, <clears throat> I'll file this under, you don't say. You know, it's, but, but, but you and I know that. It's very clear. But what if that world actually happened? So what would eventually happen, as you and I know, is that the world would eventually start suffering all sorts of blows, and the culture would completely collapse, and there would be no rule of law at the end of the day. And then they'll say, oh, yeah, that's why we needed America as the world's policeman. That's why Israel was important. Now I see, he said, as he was walking away in his handcuffs. Okay? That's, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Now, I'm being dramatic here, but only for the purpose of illustration. You will lose your freedom without America out there policing the world. Every human being on the planet will suffer their
0: freedom. Everybody. And it wouldn't be a world in which, say, the ascendancy of China or Russia or anything, that, that is far too ordered. Yeah. What it would instead be if you sort of thought experimented out is it would be a world ruled by warlords. people with accumulated wealth would have private armies, carve outs of land and it would almost be a feudal system reminiscent of uh, you know the medieval days where a knight would own lands in a castle and it, employ henchmen and
1: armies to control a number of serfs who would work the land. Right. And, and in other words, the world would be as it was before America. yes. That's all. Yeah. And, and and warlords are the order of the day. That is the natural state of things. And that's your point, I think. Yes. And we are... That's what you see at ISIS. Right. It's, it, Baghdadi is a warlord.
0: Yeah. Osama bin Laden is a warlord. The heads of those chaotic nation states, some survive, some don't, like Assad or uh, uh, Gaddafi, those are warlords. Right.
1: Not heads of state, not heads of ordered, civilized societies. You got it. And, it, and it's going to be more and more warlords as we... Progress with if
0: this, this grand scheme by Obama and the organized institutional left has their way and tears down the, uh, the only institutions on the planet
1: that enforce order and civility. You see, the problem is, and, and, and uh, this will underscore your point, the problem is when the word civilization becomes a dirty word in the, in the way that the liberals view it. They, they talk about civilization. They understand the concept, but they don't know what it means. Liberals think that civilization just means where everyone's nice to each other, I guess.
0: Yeah, because of some patriarchal hierarchy prejudice. Yes, yes. Understand? I'm but, that way because fathers will beat their wives and right. children if we don't behave. Right. That's what Jane Fonda said
1: this week, essentially. That's right. But civilization is something different than that. Civilization is... The the structure, the rule of law, based upon, that's right, God. And the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments. There's a center that that civilization must revolve around, and that has to be God. And our civilization is the result of that, plus the rule of law, uh, that is tied in with democracy, uh, Republicanism specifically. That's what works. And that has become a dirty word. Yeah, with a Ten Commandments that essentially
0: codifies in an operating law for a civil society,
1: the philosophies embedded in the Ten Commandments. Right. And what they want at the end of the day, this is the Saul Alinsky approach, and, and we know that Obama is a fan of Saul Alinsky, so that that you don't have to guess about. What they want at the end of the day is a destructuring. So... But it's a funny interpretation of their heads In their minds, this is what they think How do I know this, by the way? Because this is what I used to think And this is what you, Ari, used to think Absolutely Okay, here it is They think, and we know this well That it's going to be a world where everyone can sleep with everyone else It doesn't matter how many people you're married to In fact, marriage itself is, is nonsensical um, What you teach the kids, well, that's all subjective and um, money should be shared among other people, and uh, nobody should make too much money. Well there should be no money. Well, that's true, too. And uh, everyone can take as many drugs as they like, and that's the way it's going to be. And uh, maybe, yes, we'll have the, the rule of the road, so to speak, that, that you need to drive on the right side of the road. But other than that, you know, laissez-faire in terms of the, all the social structure. You want to abort babies? Be my guest. Uh, everything, anything goes. And there's no real crime because you know what the, re- the reality is. Everyone who has uh, who's been arrested, and sadly, so many of them are black. Uh, that must be the result of racism. So let's let everyone go. And uh, let's not arrest anybody for that. Yeah,
0: either. why stop at legalizing uh, certain definitions of marriage that are non traditional, uh, uh, certain contraceptive yes. uh, measures that happen after impregnation, and of course, any psychotropic substance you could take, up to let's legalize bearing false witness. Clinton wanted to do that by his actions, uh, theft, and murder. Right. If you, so, if you so, legalize those three things,
1: 90% of the crime solved overnight. Well, that's right. So that's right It's like they, how they redefine unemployment And suddenly the unemployment yeah. numbers go But anyway, but, but, but bear, hear me out on this So this is the mindset This is the liberal mindset They want all those things But then they don't think about what it actually looks like Right? And we'll be talking about this in the second half, half of this uh, show They don't actually follow through in their minds Like, gosh, well, will, will there be other ramifications Associated with all that? No, no, no There, there won't be and I can hear a lot of our liberal listeners, a lot of them, not all of them, will be saying, what are you talking about, Ari and Barack? You guys are crazy. Oh, their heads already exploded about <laughs> the 15-minute mark. In, well, no, but, no <laughs> but, 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 but here's what they'll say, and, and I understand them. I'm going to anticipate them. They'll say, look, come on. We believe in the rule of law also. We also believe in civilization. It just we think that there are certain things that need to be loosened. We think that a lot of the structure in society is based upon slavery and racism. We think that there's a lot of white privilege going on. We think that a lot of the people who are very wealthy have uh, gotten so in ill-begotten ways, and we think that's not fair. And so we want to change the rules in order to expand that, uh, to, to expand more freedom. But it's not so. It's just not so. It's, it's a false uh, interpretation of everything. What they do want in the end is kind of the Michael Moore approach. Michael Moore... If he actually got the world that he claims to want, he would be terrified to live in it. He he would be one of its first victims. Oh, probably the very first victim. Yeah, well, there's so much I of mean, him to go it's, around.
0: It, history has <laughs> always shown, French Revolution, all the way up to the Cambodian Revolution, and everyone in between, and the later ones, is the people who are the most loyal foot soldiers in bringing about that great... Change were the first ones marched to the uh, yeah. chamber well, as re- the ones who were considered the trouble bankers. Right, you're, once you're, you're, saying, rev-
1: you're saying revolutions eat their young, and you're absolutely right about that. But, but hear me out. I, I, this is the vision. You see, they don't, they don't, they see what they want, and they so naively think that it's going to stay that way. They don't see, as you and I see, that if if, the, if those policies were to be adopted, you would very soon see crumbling buildings. You would see a lot of chaos in the streets. Yes, you would see rape and murder and petty theft turning into grand theft. And, and, and nobody would be safe on the streets.
0: You would see death and disease and piles of garbage and litter everywhere. You'd see right. the most unspeakable environmental degradation. Sure. Uh, you know, uh, it would be, to the liberal eyes, the ultimate nightmare.
1: Right. But... But in their minds, they think everything will stay the same. You know, there's an economic term. It's called ceteris paribus. It means all things being equal, right? Uh, and, and and you have to study economics that way. You, you pull out one particular thing, and then you say everything else is being equal. What will that one particular factor, how will that change the economy, micro and macro? And, and the same thing applies to this. They, they think all things will be equal. The things will stay the same. People will work just as hard... Uh, to improve those buildings, for example, to improve the water supply, to, um, to provide the products to the market uh, on time, to give them the organic products that they want so badly. They, they think that's all going to happen at the same time with the same world that they want. And it's truly naive. And this is Obama's world. This is the way he views the world himself.
0: Yeah, they literally think. I think I can give a real crystal example. Okay. They think the Ferguson Whole Foods selling all that wonderful organic fruits and vegetables will stay
1: open for business no matter who's rioting right outside. Oh, good point. Yeah, there will be no. The riots will have no effect on, on businesses. Businesses feasible. generally speaking, and certainly Whole Foods. Are you, you are you kidding? I mean,
0: uh, yeah. You think women and children are going to feel safe to go to Whole Foods mm-hmm. when there's the riot
1: outside? Yeah, it's it's. uh it, do, it just doesn't work this way. And, and you have to – this is like a, a constant mantra that you say to yeah. a liberal, or liberals, right? Where you say to them, my, my liberal friend, it just doesn't work that way. Isn't that something you find yourself saying over and over and over again to the liberals, right? And this, I, I, I have to say, you, you find it saying to all liberals, with the exception of Paul Krugman, You know, Paul Krugman thinks he knows more than you He actually knows a lot less than you Paul Krugman, the economist for the New York Times And and who won the Pulitzer Prize That everyone's so impressed with He knows nothing I mean, it's really amazing how little he knows But I'm not going to get into Paul Krugman right now Let's get back to the world Without consequences That they think is real Well, it's not It's just not And this goes back to the whole Golf analogy that we'll soon talk about about how they think they'll control everything and everything will work out just the way they think and and all these naive, stupid schemes that are supposed to last decades to come, and they never work and they never will. And we'll talk about that and the way the conservatives approach their ideas and how wildly different they are. Stay tuned. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you settled a family battle in probate court. How? Dennis, my client's brother was taking liberties with assets of the estate, trying to subvert everyone's interests for himself. The challenge was to demonstrate why my client was best to serve as trustee, even though he had resigned as trustee before. How did you do that? Well, we found evidence of some very bad self-dealing, and we hinted we knew more. The brother got nervous and settled for everything we could want. This was a product of good cooperation with the client, strong legal analysis, from our lawyers and perhaps a bit of psychology. You really have to have all three. Which I think you do have. In fact, I know you have. My friends, you know that I trust Barack Lurie with my own business legalities. Call him for your own legal issues at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right. Barack Lurie at Lurie & Associates. 866-575-8111. And now, listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. Sunday show, I started talking about this golf analogy. And imagine, if you'd like, two individuals, neither of whom really plays any golf. In fact, they've never played any golf. Maybe they've seen it on TV. And they decide, look, this is all a game of mathematics at the end of the day, right? So let's get together and let's figure this out. So they go to a golf course. They go to a classic 18-hole golf course. And uh, they know that... The golf clubs are important And they know what a golf ball is And they get together You know, they bought it from the store Right, right next door And uh, they say, look, how hard can this be? Uh, you simply whack the ball Really hard at a certain velocity And at a certain angle And a certain lift and, uh, and you factor in the wind And then you'll get a hole-in-one Okay? Right? And they both nod their heads Yeah, of course, that's right and, uh, and, and one turns to the other and says, okay, Bob, what do you think? And John says, uh, and, and Bob thinks, says, uh, well, the wind appears to be about 21 miles per hour. I've just uh, lifted up a little balloon up there, and uh, it's 21 miles an hour. So if you get the ball up to that uh, level, that's the resistance that you'll get. And, so, and then, the, you know, a Stephen Hawking-type guy kind of plugs it in, all this information into the computer. And the computer tells him, you will now... Hit the ball at exactly this angle, exactly this amount of force, and, uh, and all things will work out. So the, the guy, you know, does it, and he whacks the ball, thinking that he's hitting approximately that momentum and such, and the ball goes right into the trees, okay? And it stays there. In fact, they lose the ball. There's no way it's going to get a hole-in-one, not even close. It's not even going to be a beginner's luck. No, no beginner has ever done a hole-in-one, in the very first time that they've, they've done well, I'm, I'm sure in history maybe it's happened, but you get the idea. Kim Jong Un. Oh, that's well, I mean, right. Kim he John is Hill. good. He yeah, is yeah. good. He is really. I, <laughs> uh, except for Kim Jong Il. That's. A, <laughs> I, I'm glad you pointed out that exception to the general rule. <laughs> okay. So, so, but, but it's not going to work out, is it? We all know it. I mean, so why do I bring this up? Why is this a cute little story I'm telling you? No, because our government. The liberal side of our government does this every day. They promote these schemes that are exactly the equivalent of those two guys planning their great strategy for a hole-in-one that we just talked about. It's exactly the same thing. Obamacare is such a good example, right? 2,700 pages of so many nuances that ignore human nature altogether, right? I mean, the, the, the last one of which was that um, if, if you require the states to have their own exchanges, well, then everyone will have an exchange. But they didn't do that. Oops, right? Uh, and, that, and, and then you'll get to keep your doctor and the, and the same policy. And, that, and never mind that there's going to there's be a limited supply of doctors. Oops, we forgot about that. We also forgot about human nature, that once you have something free... People demand more of it. Oops. <laughs> Again, it's these things that they just didn't t- take into account. And the emergency rooms, how however, we promised the emergency oh, rooms would yeah. be empty right. and they aren't? Right. Well, of course. I and mean, you and I saw this. we said this. There, there are going to be death panels. There will be more uh, end-of-life, uh, shall we say, consultations <laughs> about these things. This is what's going to happen, and there's going to be scarcity and supply of not only doctors but drugs and procedures, and there will be long lines. It's basic. It it, it has to happen. The rules of economics require it, but never let the facts get in the way of liberal ideology. They'll say somehow that Obamacare is working. Then, of course, the the website and all these things. My point is that as as much fun as we were making of John and Bob, our two friends on the golf course, (laughs) That they are forgetting all these amazingly numbered number things that, require, that are required for a ball to get to be a hole-in-one. That That's nothing compared to all the things that are required for Obamacare to live up to its promises of more access to health care, better health care, less fraud, more accountability, and cheaper. And you can get to keep your doctors, blah, blah, blah. And okay. that's just one program. That's just one program. Exactly right. Good point. Yeah, so this, this is why I want to bring this up because have you noticed that the liberals are constantly promoting these programs, the, these kind of John and Bob type programs that I was just telling you about, the golf course analogy, and Obamacare is, is one of them and Social Security is another one of them, right? And uh, cap and trade. Cap and trade. Another The the, the, uh, the
0: one from the uh, National Oceanographic thing. They they called it the fish Cat shares. A massive regulatory scheme to regulate every fisherman in the country.
1: Right. Same kind of thing. Yeah, everything. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and the rent control laws and the, everything is so complex and requires so many things to happen just so. And then they then they dare to tell us, that's the funny thing. They dare to tell us, well, in the year 2036, uh, after adoption of this program, program X, we'll call it, uh, you will see the deficit reduced by 90 percent, and the debt will be completely vanished as a result of this, uh, if you follow our program, and by, and and everyone starts clapping, yay, yay, okay, very nice, and then of course. You know, because they've done this before. This is not the first time that they promised something. So they promised things which ended with the year, let's say, 1986. By the year 1986, such and such will happen. By the year 1992, such and such will happen in a different program. And none of them work. It's never worked, ever. They, they and, they, like- and they never go back in their own history and say, and no one ever takes them to task. And to say, well, well, wait a minute, you you had this grandiose scheme that you said by 1986 would reduce the deficit or the debt or whatever you want or unemployment uh, or about the wage gap poverty or, or poverty or. whatever it is by x by this 1986. Well, it's the year 1989 now and it's it's even worse than it was before the program began. How do you explain that, sir? Right. So, and every single time it's happened. Every single time. The only thing that we have been good about taking them to task is. This global warming thing, and Dennis Prager has really been the champion of this, to say, look, every time you've, you've threatened a sky's falling situation, you've been wrong.
0: Yeah, cap and trade, the one to address global warming, luckily, is the only one that didn't pass, yeah. even though it, it was 2009 when it had a chance of passing, with Democrats in control of, of both uh, chambers of Congress, and even they wouldn't pass this. Yeah. It was, yeah. it, it was sort of a miracle on that one, thank God. But everything, the war on poverty, every program only guaranteed that poverty won the war on poverty. Right. The war right. on drugs was won by
1: drugs. The
0: war on, on retirement was run by right. <laughs> the people who couldn't retire.
1: It's these complex, bizarre programs that have 2,700 pages or more, sometimes as the case may be, that they accomplished nothing. They're written by academicians or, worse yet, some pages in, in the, in, on the Hill who are uh, influenced by lobbyists and otherwise. And, and this is what they give us. And they tell us it all works out on paper somehow. And isn't this wonderful? And then they go to the Congressional Budget Office, which, yeah, it's, it's, it's officially neutral, but they don't know what they're doing. They, don't, they have no idea what the future is going to hold.
0: You can't score. Incoherent garbage You can't do So it. since their job is to score things They just give it a score Yeah, well I hope or
1: <laughs> They give it all a B Yeah, you know? g- given your assumptions Here's your, here's your thing So look I'll, I'll assume for the sake of discussion For example That my law firm Will generate uh, two times in revenue What they was uh, making the previous year Every year going forward Okay And I give that to the Congressional Budget Office and they'll say, well, that's great. By the year 2020, assuming that you made, um, I don't know, 500,000, a million, let's say you just use a million years, a million dollars, a million dollars in the year uh, 2000, well, by the year uh, uh, 2030, you should be ramped up at, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's a 30 factorial, I think it is. It's some crazy number. It, you'll, you should be making approximately $600 billion. Congratulations, Mr. Lurie. And expect applause from the crowd. I mean, it, it's so absurd. Right, it, it doesn't work that way, you know. They, they don't. These are people that don't even understand the concept of terminal velocity. You know what that is, right? You drop a, a rock or something like that from 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 uh, from space down to the earth. It, it'll gather speed over time, but then it reaches terminal velocity. What is terminal velocity? There's resistance that comes up against the rock, the the imaginary rock I just mentioned. That. Eventually, forces it to keep at a steady velocity. Or burns it up completely right. so you have no rock. <laughs> that, that's true, too. But, but you know, again, Ceteris Paribus pulling away that the, the burning aspect of it, it. It would reach a terminal velocity, cannot go any faster, right? But in their minds, it just keeps on going faster and faster and faster. Everything's in a vacuum. Okay? Life is not in a vacuum, life has its rules. Human nature comes into play. Right? I mean, he, he, the, even Steven Spielberg, he understood this in Jurassic Park, right, when he talks about chaos theory, right? And, and he said, you could, you could drop the same, you know, uh, drop of water down my knuckles and, you know, 15 times exactly the same place, and eventually, at some point, the water will go a different way. Why? Ah, who knows? There's a slight decrease in temperature. There's a slight wind gust. Whatever. It, but that's the way it is. Human nature is amazingly, amazingly fickle and amazingly and beautifully different. You cannot uh, constantly think that things are going to always be the same. And put aside human nature, there's human events. There's there's events in the world. Uh, what if there's a huge earthquake? And there will be one. Maybe not necessarily in Los Angeles. It could be anywhere. It suddenly ruptures uh, America in such a way that we now have to take all that money that we supposedly saved, never mind that it won't actually be saved, and plow it into uh, help for the victims of such and such earthquake. And then they'll forget altogether that they had the program in the first place. Too many things come into play. That's the whole point. And conservatives know this. And conservatives, and what I love about conservatism, it understands the basic approach. Okay, so here's why conservatism works and liberalism fails. Conservatism works because we know that it's not about imagining every scenario and, and giving you a cockamamie plan about how X will lead to Y and then Y will lead to Z and then Z will lead to Q and, and then W will lead to you know, R and something like that and then everything is going to be great. No. We, we are about positions. We are about not, not positions like we hold this position. I'm talking about saying, look, the, the more we have good values in the school the better our citizenry will be okay the more we reject abortion on demand the better it is for civilization the more we embrace uh, the dichotomy between men and women and children and adults and teacher and student the better it is for society
0: i'd even go one step further which is our even most basic tenet, which is we have determined that when you maximize freedom for people who have good values, miracles happen yeah miracles that 's right, and that when you constrict freedom and you remove good values
1: or the need to have good values, a hell on earth is the result that 's exactly right that 's exactly right, you got it and it's, it is all about values and it's, and it 's also i mean simple concepts too, it and this is not necessarily a value, although I, one could say that it is a value. That, that you shouldn't tax people heavily Tax them at the most minimum amount you can The most minimum And great things will happen as you say uh, Miracles as yeah, you say will happen freedom. That, that just embraces We know that that's good for the economy How it will actually create A great economy We, we don't know But we know that it will create a great economy we, 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 Nobody would know for example Back in the year 1990 For example That there would be this thing called the iPhone In the year 2007 Okay? And then, and then the iPad and and all the other goodies that have flowed from uh, the the innovations that we've seen recently. That doesn't. That's not the point. The point is to create an environment where innovation, wherever it may go, can can flourish. But I can tell you one thing: neither the iPad nor the iPhone nor any smartphone or anything else would have been invented had we regulated the crap out of it as. Uh, the Obama administration would like to.
0: Yeah, I would even go one step further and say we kind of. Um, and I don't want to get into the nuances of the argument, but when we talk about an economy, we're not talking about an economy. We're talking about people. We're talking about people being prosperous and the and the greater amount of freedom that that prosperity affords them. So.
1: Yeah, it, no, I agree.
0: You know, it's it's like when we, the word economy is a shorthand for all these people having that much more freedom.
1: I think you're spot on about that. Um, and it's all about positions. So going back to chess, or for that matter, monopoly. Let's talk about monopoly. Take about any classic childhood game, all right? And tell me what you need to do to win in monopoly. And winning, and I'm talking about in, winning in the sense of economy, like what is winning in the economy? Innovation, success right? For everyone concerned. What do you do in Monopoly? Well, you learn fairly quickly if you play it often enough that the best thing to do is to buy as many properties as you can, right? To, be, to put yourself in a position, there's that word again, to buy all three of the properties and then eventually build houses and then hotels on such. To develop and improve them. There you go, right? That's, that's your goal. Now, you can't possibly say at the beginning of the game. Well, I'm going to roll the following dice <laughs> numbers, and it's first it's going to be a, six, a twelve, then it's going to be an eleven, then it's going to be a six, then I'm going to then I'm going to do a twelve again, and and I'll land on on, on and they, you know, get out of jail free card once and no, no, you you don't know, you have no idea, but what you do know is the good way to play the game, is to buy all the properties, and then you win. That's how you succeed in that game, and likewise in chess. You don't know how the game is going to be played out when you sit down with your opponent. You have no idea. It doesn't matter how good you are. If if if, if you're if you're Gary Kasparov, and you're you're playing against a seven-year-old kid who barely knows how to, how to move the pieces, you Gary Kasparov, you don't even know how this game is going to play out. You know you're going to win, <laughs> but you but you don't know how it's going to play out. And and yet. So, so the, the reason why we know Gary Kasparov is going to win is because he knows how to position his pieces. He knows how to make them work together wherever they are. That's the point. And that's the way conservatives think. We know that the, the, the basic principles of conservatism work. We know that a God-centered uh, society works. We know that lower taxes and, and less in the way of regulation works. It's better for everyone involved. And what the particular innovations... We don't know. And frankly, it's wonderful that we don't know. It, 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 it's so enjoyable to not know the future, right? But just to know the future is going to give us some really cool things. And life is going to be exciting. We're going to grow. But that's not the way the liberals want it. The liberals want a very static world.
0: And they want a guaranteed future. Right. They want to make sure everyone has a safety net so no one falls right. and scrapes a knee and has any accidents. Right.
1: I think in their ideal world, everyone makes, say, $100,000 a year. Right? Nobody makes more than that and nobody makes less than that. And that's fair, by golly. And you're going to have this kind of cell phone and that's what's going to be and and when the government decides to improve the cell phone God knows how by the way because who's going to be wanting to make an innovation but there you go again you know not understanding the consequences of your your regulations right they'll want to um, this is the world they want they want a static future
0: yeah we want, want to know the plot of every movie. They want to know every gift that's under the Christmas tree before it's opened. They want no surprises. Yeah. And by proxy, what that means is they want no freedom. Yeah. Because freedom is messy. With freedom, people's feelings can get hurt. And that sounds like a joke,
1: but it's dead serious. You're 100% right. And, and freedom is the unknown. It's, it's uh, terrifying for a lot of people. It, it, it also means responsibility and accountability. I think I'm going to leave this podcast with uh, an, an experience I had just today. I went to the gym and uh, met a very nice uh, – there's some nice guys there. And there's this guy there who's uh, clearly a liberal uh, doctor, nice man. And he's often complaining about Fox News being on and such like that. And and Did I you never – Did tell him it was me who put it on? <laughs> no, no. Uh, but – but, you know, I don't make a big stink of it. I, I, I'm really interested in learning what people have to think. I, I'd rather that they open up to me as to their positions. I don't agree with them necessarily to say, tell me, you know, I invite them their discussion. And he was telling me about how tough Obama has it and how the Republicans are, you know, pushing against him and refusing to let him do what he needs to do. You know, there's that loaded phrase, what he needs to do as opposed to what he wants to do. But that's another story. And, and then he started quoting Tom Friedman from a book that he said, and he said, you know, Tom Friedman had a great chapter about how wonderful it would be if America could just be China for a day, quote unquote, China for a day. And, you know, and I, I heard that expression before. I know what it means. And he says, look, you know, in China, when they want to get something done, they get it done. There's none of this messiness. And that's exactly why I want to bring it up, because you used the word correctly. You, you, you identified it so well, Ari. That freedom is messy. Freedom invites all sorts of new ideas and, and such, and but they don't like that. And, 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 and this, is, this is a man that is actually an elderly guy. He's older than I am. He's got to be at least 65. And, and he's clearly bright. He's doctor. And I just thought to myself, wow. I mean, it begs so many questions, this China for a Day concept, doesn't it? I mean, like, okay, well, when they decide something... They do it, right? But who's the they, first of all, right? The Politburo. right? And well, speaking rhetorically. So who's the they, and what's the what? What is it? What's the goal? And and, and why do you think it's so great? I mean, what if they decide, and I'm, I'm not even saying this is a bad thing. I'm, I'm going to give. What if they decide to build a uh, a bullet train, for example, that is going to be, it's going to, uh, you know, link every single city. In fact, every small town, too, bullet trains. Totally unnecessary, wildly expensive. But by golly, they'll get it done, and they'll cripple society in the process. Okay? It's madness. And I'll tell you what else they did uh, when they were China for a day is that they adopted the one-child policy. How do you like that? Okay, that's China for a day. You know what? What is it that you want to accomplish, Mr. President? Uh, Sorry, Mr. Friedman. Because if you give China for a day for Obama... Watch out because that ain't going to look pretty
0: it will take
1: a long time to clean up all the stacked bodies yeah that's right and if you give it to uh, if you gave it to Ronald Reagan I think he would have the temperament to would you know hold back he would reject it he would say I don't want this yeah that's right. it's not my position it's God's decision and uh, God didn't give me that kind of power and nor should anyone have that kind of power and this reflects the naivete of the liberal way of thinking that they even Pushed out there as though it was somehow a reasonable were, suggestion. Yeah, re- that somehow was a brilliant way of looking of how to get things done. I mean, are, are for real, that that violates every notion of the democratic process. Yes, it's messy. Yes, even in the homeowners associations that we have, you, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to give all power to one person. You, you would, not for a moment it's in a homeowners a, association. You would, you would hate that. You would, you would reject it out of hand. And so, what do you have? You have people yelling at each other. Yes, that's what's going to happen. That's the nature of democracy. You don't like it? Go to China then. Don't stay here. Yeah, that's
0: what China exists for. Yeah. That's why I tell liberals: go to North Korea if you like, if you want your plans.
1: Yeah. You, yeah. you and you want to go to China? Go, go, by all means, go check it out. They've been China for a day for many years. Okay, for many centuries, in fact. And it sucks over there, all right? And I, and I mean that in, in both uh, meanings. It sucks your life as well as, as it sucks to be there.
0: Yeah, in, uh, in that it's a bummer for the people who have to yeah. live under it. And there's a word, one word, that embodies exactly what Mr. Friedman was arguing for. And it's a word liberals say they hate. Slavery.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's it. You will do this because we told you but what if I don't want to? What if this, this family farm that I've worked the land on for uh, you know, generations of my family lies in front of this bullet train? Can't you make it go around? No,
1: if you argue, you get shot. So this is, this is how we ended because the China for a day concept reflects yet again, they're thinking that they can engage in this process and that there will be no consequences to this process. Right? It's the Michael Moore way of looking at the future that everything will be hunky-dory. It'll just be his way and not realize all the ramifications that flow from his way. Capital H, capital W. I'm Brock Lurie. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk with you real soon.